friends, and welcome to episode 35 of Did You Bring the Hummus podcast. I'm Kimberly, your host, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. Did You Bring the Hummus is a podcast to help you go vegan. This season, I'm sharing new episodes every Monday discussing all things vegan. Most importantly, we'll talk about how to embrace this meaningful decision with fervor and fun. Episodes post every Monday on your favorite podcast app. Before we get started, I have one very important question for you. Did you bring the hummus? Did you know that I have a free Facebook group for fans of Did You Bring the Hummus? Join me there by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll connect with me and other fans. Today, I am joined by Rebecca Gade Sawicki of Veggies Abroad, a vegan travel blog and consulting company. Rebecca lives in Metro Detroit and loves to travel. The blog showcases mouthwatering lineups of vegan food, action-packed travel guides, tips, and everything else a vegan or veg-curious traveler needs. On the consulting side, Rebecca uses her 15 years of experience working at the intersection of communications, fundraising, and event management to help nonprofits and ethical businesses leverage their missions, reach their goals, and expand their audience. In 2022, Rebecca worked with multiple tourism organizations to promote vegan options in their cities, but she's not stopping there. She plans to expand her efforts throughout the tourism industry, making businesses realize that having vegan options is not only an ethical and environmental decision, but a sound business decision too. Rebecca's knowledge is extensive and her passion for travel and having an incredible vegan experience while doing so comes through as she shares her stories, tips, and suggestions. Whether you're planning a trip abroad, a deep dive into your local haunts, or a quick weekend trip, Rebecca can guide you to eat well while having an amazing time. You're going to love this interview. Let's go. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am so glad that you are here. I'm super excited about this conversation. My dream is to own my own vegan B&B. So I'm super interested in all things vegan hospitality. So I'm very excited to hear all the things that you know about um, and that what you're working on. But first, why don't we start with your vegan journey? Perfect. So um, I first became a vegetarian when I was about 12 or 13. So at this point, it feels like many moons ago. And I first made that transition because I had to write to a senator about an issue that I needed reform or that I thought needed reform. And at the time, my sister had become a vegetarian. And um, at the time, I didn't think too much of it. My family kind of all said, oh, it's a phase. She'll grow out of it. We grew up in a very rural community, like farmland. We were 4-H kids. So it was very unheard of at that time. It was like, but the mid nineties where, you know, vegetarianism, that was kind mm-hmm. of like this weird concept, especially where we lived, but I still really looked up to her immensely. And so I asked her, I was like, what do you think I should write about? And she was, I think you should investigate slaughterhouse reform. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine when a 12, 13 year old goes down that path, they're not coming out the same way that no. they went in. Um, and so I was just, I was, my mind was boggled by everything that I found. I couldn't believe what was happening and I just couldn't be a part of it anymore. So I dropped meat, you know, then and there, you know, and proceeded down that path for a long time. And then like, you know, many people 
I, you know, I didn't eat a ton of dairy or eggs, but I would always justify with, you know, they're happy chickens, they're happy cows, that kind of thing. Uh, then about five or six years ago, I, um, I had fought with some health issues for a while and nothing was ever right. And no matter what doctor that I visited, they would all tell me like, you have irritable bowel, you have this, you have this, but I never got to the core issue of what was going on and anything that they told me that I had, or tried to medicate me with never worked. And um, so I was really, really, really frustrated. And I thought it was food related, but I couldn't find any doctor who would even like venture down that path with me. Right. And so I finally did find a doctor who ran a full food sensitivity test on me, tested me for like a ton of things. I think it was a couple hundred things. Wow. And I came back that I was um, really sensitive to casein, which is a protein in milk uh, or in dairy. And I was sensitive to a bunch of other things and tolerant to a bunch of other things. And so at that point, he was like, y'all, aside from giving up dairy, you've got to give up gluten as well and some of this other stuff. And I was like, oh, no. I was honestly kind of resistant to it mm-hmm. at first. Silly, it's silly now to think back on it, but I ended up doing it and honestly felt night and day different. It was mm-hmm. like, whole new world opened up for me and then from there I think you know I did fight a little bit with the did I ever really need dairy did I ever really need those eggs and I did a little bit further investigation into it and you know I think you just like you dig a little deeper and you're you're like why don't and you start to reveal the truth that there are no happy chickens or cows out there yeah uh, so that you know honestly made it easier so I fully you know jumped on the vegan bandwagon about five-ish years ago and obviously haven't looked back yeah when you feel that good both yeah. physically and then mentally and emotionally why would yeah. you right Right, right. And you connect all those other things. And now I just like feel silly for like the lies and things that I told myself to kind of justify it. But you know, it does give me perspective when other people talk to me who aren't vegan or vegetarian and are interested and bring up those same things. And so then I feel like I can relate. Mm-hmm. And they feel the connection of like, oh, she didn't just like pop into this world feeling right. like this. Yeah. Like, no, oh, I mean, for everybody, it's a journey in mm-hmm. you know, some form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I took a very similar journey in that I was vegetarian for a very long time. And and I too was just like, oh, it's okay. Cheese. And, you know, and I had, when I went um, vegetarian, I was 20. And so I was like still living at home with my parents. I had a full-time job. I didn't have a lot of bills. So I got rid of like all my leather shoes, handbags, all and changed out. Yeah. I got rid of everything. But I was still, um, you know, eating cheese and, you know, eating baked goods that had eggs and dairy in it. Yeah. But, but like, that was the last thing. And once I went vegan, I was like, why, why do you hold on to that for so long? But you're right. It does make me more relatable to people who are yeah. like, it just seems so hard. And then yeah. when they see that you felt the same way and were able to do it anyway, right. then it seems a lot more like feasible for them to make that change too. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's amazing that you got rid of all of that in your closet. (laughs) I did. I was like, I don't want any of this anymore. And I gave away as much as I could. 
and, um, and, and replaced it because at that point, you know, what did I have to spend money on? So I was able to do that. I mean, it's totally understandable for a lot of people are not in that situation. They have to wait until they've worn out their shoes. The handbag isn't usable anymore. And then they buy a replacement that is vegan. And that is totally acceptable as well. I just feel very lucky that I was in that situation to make such a drastic change. I wish I'd done with the dairy and the eggs as well at that time. But, you know, we learn, we grow, we change. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what life is all about, growing and learning. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about veggies abroad. Awesome. Yeah. Tell me all about this. Sure. So uh, like so many people during the pandemic, you know, we had, I had downtime and I started to kind of reevaluate my career. I really wanted to find a way to connect my personal ethics with my career. Um, So I started looking for jobs. My background is in fundraising and communications and event management. But at the time I wasn't finding a job that aligned with my background and that was with like a vegan company. And so I got really frustrated and thought, you know, am I never going to be able to do this? And then the idea came up, well, since my husband and I did travel quite a bit prior to the pandemic, um, and people were always really interested in what did I eat? I'd always get the craziest questions. And, you know, people are like, did you starve? Did you go on a diet? Did you, did you lose weight? Yes. So you have to pack all of your, like the questions are just, they were honestly hysterical. Um, and so I thought, okay, I mean, maybe starting a vegan travel blog could be a way to help me pivot my career initially. So it would force me to learn new skills, network with new people, and then kind of see where things go from there. You know, it did force me to learn a ton of things. I have an immense amount of respect now for people who run online web or run websites. It's way more labor intensive than I could ever imagine. And so, you know, I did learn a lot, but what happened was other things started to grow. And so it opened me up to being able to do some freelance work, some contracting, and the website began to grow and it kind of became legitimate, not just like this pipe dream that I thought, well, it'll be a thing that my husband and I will look at. And so I ended up leaving my full-time job uh, just about a year ago and have been working on it um, ever since. And so the blog is uh, fully focused on vegan travel. So it can help with someone who is vegan or veg curious, find places to eat when they're on the road, either in the U.S., abroad, um, and some of the Caribbean and Mexico, find places to stay if a vegan or vegan-friendly hotel exists, activities. I really try and make it so that, you know, wherever you're going, if I've been there, you can kind of plan your entire adventure um, and take, you know, some of that stress away. And so I know some people, you know, are really nervous, especially in the beginning of their vegan journey you know, that traveling is going to be really hard. And so I try and take that stress away for them. That's really awesome. Um, And I love something I made a note from our initial conversation before, uh, before tonight, where you mentioned that this is your form of activism. I love that as I consider my podcast part, my form of activism, using my voice, talking to people. So can you just share a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I, you know, honestly, it wasn't something that I initially thought about because I never thought that I would fully go down this travel path. I thought this is going to be a way to pivot. I will, you know, work my way to something else to another company and we'll, you know, kind of see what happens. But, you know, as things grew with, you know, in with a blog and I started to work with tourism organizations and hotels it kind of became apparent that maybe this is my form of activism. Maybe this is where I'm plugged into things. Um, maybe this is where I can make a difference with, you know, people's lives in a way that, you know, they might not have thought about. Because I guess the first thing you think about when you think about travel isn't necessarily veganism, but it is weaved in there from, you know, where you eat, where you stay, to the activities you take part in. And even sometimes talking to people when they're like, well, are you gonna, if you go to Egypt, will you ride that camel? And like, no, I'm not gonna ride the camel. And you know, this is why. And so there are ways to kind of have those discussions that you wouldn't have necessarily, you know, thought to have. And I was talking with a tour company a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, I was telling them, I was like, you know, if you want to promote, um, you know, more ethical excursions and destinations that you guys have tours, you know, let's chat about that. And they told me, they're like, we were actually one of the first tour companies to, you know, ban elephant riding. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. these are the things that travelers need to understand because they see these pictures and they think that, one, they're going to miss out on something by not doing it. And two, they don't think about the cruelty that could be embedded into this experience that you're having on this once in a lifetime trip mm -hmm. and why you need to avoid it. So you know, I, I hope to make a difference, you know, by doing this, you know, whether it's small or not. I never, I mean, I think once when I was in my 20s, I did like a protest, but I, you know, I've never been one to like stand in a grocery store and, you know, open a jug of milk or throw right. it at someone or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to, but that has never been my style. So maybe this is, you know, where I can plug in and make a difference. As you were talking about the that experience of would you ride that camel or like talking to an organization that has stopped um, the elephant riding, it reminded me of the islands and the name of the island escapes me, but there are a lot of wild pigs that live there. In the Bahamas, yes. And, and people are like, I'm going to go swim with the pigs and play with the pigs. And oh, isn't this magical? But yeah. Pigs are one, like their skin is very sensitive to the sun. So if they're out in the sun all day swimming in, in the salty water with you, they're getting sunburn. Is anyone yeah. putting sunscreen on them? Uh, right. Because, you know, I don't know if they're, how much mud there is to be coating themselves in there to yeah, begin yeah. with. And, and just like the, that, the exploitation, you know, if these pigs live here, this is their home and they don't have a choice but to be there. Like, should we be imposing on that? And I think that that people don't consider that when they're thinking, because they just see it as a cute thing, yeah. right? And you're right, like that hidden cruelty behind these kinds of activities, like swimming with yeah. dolphins and, and things like that. When we think about those kinds of, of things that people can encounter while on vacation or feel like they're missing out on, do you have resources or do you point to maybe either alternatives or do you share why they might want to avoid a resort that has, you know, dolphins in captivity? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. So I always look for animal sanctuaries that are within the destination and mm -hmm. we'll kind of direct people towards that. If there are some conservation efforts, um, you know, I may investigate that a little bit further to see what, you know, an organization is doing before I recommend it. I have, um, I was in London, I was in the UK in uh, September and spent some time in London. And when I came back and I was doing some writing on London, a couple places that I did stop at were city farms, which was kind of a unique thing that I hadn't ever um, seen, especially in London, which isn't a place where you, you know, necessarily see. And um, they, you know, they weren't set up like a petting farm. Like the animals could come up to you if you wanted. You can't feed them. Mm -hmm. uh, or anything like that so there's no like exploitive thing it is a little bit funny that it is in the middle of the city which makes it kind of strange and so I was curious about that you know I didn't have too much other information into it so I did reach out to the vegan society there which is the big organization in the UK and you know they were really kind to write back and say well you know they don't work with those organizations you know one thing that the reason that they don't promote some of that is because they, um, oh, they used a really good word for it, but they try and, um, or they feel like these organizations glorify farming. Mm -hmm. And so they make it seem like this lovely experience that yes, these animals are on their little pastures. They have their toys, they mm -hmm. sun themselves, like they're living their you know best little lives uh, within reason, but that's not how farming actually is. And I was like, you know what? I never thought about it that way. I do try and point to, you know, organizations that are working to combat um, cruelty in some way. If I don't know, I will reach out to organizations that are, you know, nearby or that I know. Um, and then I just try and find other activities that, you know, people can take part in. Like in the northern part of uh, Michigan, I'm from the Detroit area. Uh, we have a lot of wineries. And so wine tasting is a big thing. And so I'll try and find vegan friendly ones and point people to, you know, doing stuff like that or finding other activities that, you know, aren't exploitive, um, which you generally can find. And I think once, you know, not too many people have asked me about that, but I think once you have that conversation around why you shouldn't be swimming with dolphins and, you know, things like that. And like, don't get me wrong, like I love animals and like, I really want to hug and boop all of their noses. Yep, me too. Uh, <laughs> but there is, you know, there is cruelty behind it after you've like, you know, given them attention and, you know, and it's sad. It is sad. It's been a long time since I've traveled anywhere. I think the last time JP and I went away, it was probably 2018. So, so it's been a few years. Yeah. And uh but but one thing that, that I think people, when I'm thinking about traveling and, and, and where we're staying, even down to the room, like people think about um, if they're allergic to down pillows, then they know to request some alternative. But people who aren't allergic might not even realize that there's an option that you can ask the hotel to change out if they have down pillows for the synthetic, so you're not sleeping on goose feather and yeah. um, the blankets too, like some will have, they might have a down comforter, there might be wool blankets. And, uh, and so it's things like, like that, 
Do you also cover kind of like the the actual place where people might stay in addition to food and, and things like that on, on your blogs? Yeah. So if I find a vegan friendly hotel, I will suggest it and, you know, mention what the options could be. You know, it is a real mixed bag with hotels. Some hotels do, you know, properly label or properly promote, you know, that they do have options, while others, it is a little bit hidden um, and, you know, a little harder to dig out. So if I find something that is friendly, you know, even if it's like a small amount of friendliness, Mm -hmm. I will include that in the guide that I'm writing. Otherwise, I will share like where I stayed, you know, why did I choose this? Mm -hmm. Um, What was the benefit to it? Um, To give some context with it to help someone make a decision. That that is a more difficult thing to to sometimes find. And a lot of times, um, depending on the type of traveler, people aren't spending a lot of time at the hotel. I mean, unless it's a resort. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you really are just looking for a you know solid place to base yourself, you know, finding something that's just kind of run of the mill can yeah. be okay as well. Too. Mm-hmm. But I am seeing a lot of places now um, that are swapping out, you know, making more sustainable choices with toiletry options. Um, I have come across quite a few that are using vegan and cruelty-free products. So that's good. So I always try and, you know, make note of that. And then when I reach out to hotels, when I'm, you know, going to travel and looking for like partnership opportunities, you know, I'll always explain like, why did I reach out to them? Um, to kind of give them that boost, like, okay, you have, you're doing something right. Like, let's talk about all the other things that you can do. Yeah. Well, too. That's awesome. So for a traveler who is looking for vegan options, do you have some some tips for them and the best way to have like the most exciting vegan journey? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my first tip, um, depending on where you are going, so if you're going outside of the U.S., is you need to learn a little bit of the language. I did create like little cheat sheets with a few different languages with some key nice. phrases like "I'm vegan," "I don't eat meat," "I would like a coffee with." oat milk or almond milk, whatever. Um, so like basic things so that you can communicate and you can also recognize the words when you see them on packaging or on menus. And while, you know, a lot of places, English is also pretty widely spoken. I always encourage people like, don't be that guy. Like, don't just like wander in somewhere and just think that everyone's going to speak English. It's quite egocentric and you should make an attempt to know like, you know, what, what is safe and how to communicate with someone. It's just a polite thing to do. First and foremost, always learn a little bit of the language. And I take, like, I'll make little flashcards and I'll take them with me too. So like, I can pull it out and be like, yeah, that's, that's oat milk. Yeah. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> yeah. So it's like super helpful. And then second, once like I've started to research a destination and I find like, stores I want to visit there are quite a few like if you go to like Berlin or Amsterdam Paris that have like um stores that have like vegan and cruelty free clothing or fully vegan supermarkets and even if I'm not grocery shopping like I gotta check out like yeah they have (laughs) uh, and see what they have and so I will go to my google map and I'll pin things or save them 
Um, and you can save things with like little heart icons or little green flag icons. And so I'll differentiate my hearts and flags and stars between like, you know, where I'm staying, activities, and then places I want to eat. And so that is really helpful. So then when you're out and about and, you know, you want to have lunch or whatever, you can pull up your Google map and see what's close by. And then, you know, you can make a decision there like, okay, I'm going to eat at this place or that place. Or, you know, if you thought you were going to eat lunch at like some place, but it happens to be on the other side of the city, then you can make it, you know, a better choice from there too. And I kind of use that to kind of plan out my itinerary as well. So that I know like, you know, these all, some of these activities are, you know, located to this restaurant or this other thing that I want to check out. So it can make it, you know, really helpful just from a planning standpoint as well. And then for people who, you know, maybe have allergies or sensitivities and they have to be careful with eating out, finding a place that has, um, you know, a small kitchen or even a kitchenette can be really helpful. Even a small refrigerator can make all the difference. And then, you know, trying to find, um, you know, markets nearby and, any major city, like you'll have a variety of different supermarkets that you can go to. I mean, if you get lucky, you'll visit places that have, you know, fully vegan um, mm-hmm. markets, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, and so you can just go and purchase a few things and, um, you know, make it, you know, really easy so that you don't feel like you're missing out. You're not going to end up in pain and, you know, continue about your trip. Um, if you're traveling with a group, I always recommend that you have a conversation with the people that you're traveling with first with set expectations yes. so that there isn't like, um, there is an angst or an argument during the trip of like, why don't you want to go to this steakhouse or why would you want to go to this, you know, veggie restaurant? Like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody's on the same page and, you know, understands what, you know people want to get out of this you know can make all of the difference and then nobody has any travel FOMO um, when it comes to the end of it I think lastly I always pack snacks and then always pack uh, like a small bag of just like medicine cabinet type things like a a digestive um, charcoal even in case you do eat somewhere and you think like oh no I Mm -hmm. like could have trouble with that ibuprofen things along those lines because you never know what can happen when you travel and it just really helps to you know be prepared I have been in cases where I've had to go to a pharmacy in a foreign country and finding things that way can be really really difficult yeah (laughs) those are all awesome tips and I really love this is the one that didn't even occur to me was traveling in groups because I'm thinking like, oh, I'm, if I'm traveling and like my husband's vegan, no problem, but not everybody is going with another vegan. Not everyone is traveling just, you know, one or two people that they are there in a group. And, um, and so thank you for, for pointing that out to have that conversation ahead of time so that it isn't becoming the argument in front of the restaurant that you won't go into and everyone else wants to go to, or the other way around. So that is an amazing tip. Thank you for that reminder. Yeah, I mean, I would hope like if you're traveling with friends or family that they would be like, yeah, we're not going to drive her to a steakhouse or whatever. But 
you never know. And I mean, and it comes down to, too, like, you know, if you need to eat certain things or you can't have certain things, it's like always good to um, give a reminder. Mm-hmm. I generally um, either travel alone or I travel with my husband. So, you know, it's not an issue for me either. But we did once travel with some family. Um, and that was a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little more work and mm-hmm. there was a little more lettuce eating than I think we would have liked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially on vacation. And the, right? yeah, you want to have fun, live it up, try the new right. things and everything else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, the, um, you know, if you can find a, a place where there's a small fridge in your room, yeah, because, you know, even just going to a new vegan restaurant or a new vegan shop, that's like near home, right? You don't just get one thing. You've got right. to try lots of things. Yeah. So, so you want yeah, to be able to bring yeah. that back to the hotel and not have it go bad before you get a chance to eat it all. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I'll say too, like if you're going somewhere and you think like, you know, options could be difficult or like, you know, or maybe really spread out, look and see if there is a vegan or a vegan friendly hotel. We got really lucky. I had never been to the Finger Lakes region in New York. Um, it looks really beautiful and it reminds me a little bit of northern Michigan um, just very 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 scenic but not necessarily always been very vegan friendly um, but in the Finger Lakes there depending on where you are you'll find vegan friendly bread and breakfast and a fully vegan bed and breakfast there as well too yeah so that like you know we did find restaurants and things that were friendly um and some really cool activities because farm sanctuary is located there as well uh but staying at that bed and breakfast was terrific because every morning we didn't have to worry like we had a full feast right for us and it was like great I couldn't (laughs) wait to go to breakfast (laughs) I have stayed there as well and yes I was always full leaving after after breakfast yeah Yeah. so great I was like ever I wanted to go to all of them (laughs) (laughs) do you have a favorite vegan trip that you've taken or location that you just love and is also super awesome for the vegans yeah um so I recently spent a week in Brighton in the south of England uh, in September and I would say that is definitely in my top five I absolutely love, love, love Brighton. Brighton is this just little green community. They consider themselves unofficially the um, LGBTQ capital of Britain, but also the green capital of Britain. They have the only green member of parliament and um, they're you know very green friendly and very vegan friendly. I don't think that I've ever been somewhere where I saw so many signs promoting vegan options. Nice. Um, it seemed like Every restaurant, every place that I went by had something like on their outdoor sign. It was amazing. And there are tons of, um, you know, vegan or vegetarian uh, restaurants. There's um, a a vegan shoe shop uh, that's been there since I think the early 90s. Um, Yeah, a perfume shop that everything is vegan and cruelty free. 
there is a vegan market that is there and they have tons of really cool things. I like, I wanted to buy uh, one of everything when I was in there. And then down from there, there's a wine shop that also marks all of their vegan wine. Um, it's just like a little bit of everything. And then it's right on the coast. So it's really gorgeous. So you yeah. get this really great accessible town that's full of all these really great options. And then you're right on the water. So it's just really, really, really pretty. Uh, so I would go, I would honestly, like I kept when I was posting on social media, I really wanted Brighton to just invite me to live there. Right. Uh, <laughs> I loved it so much. I do love London a lot. And London is a great, great city for, you know, any vegan because there's just a ton of options. But London can be a little bit intimidating because there is a lot going on. There's a lot of area to cover. And so I feel like Brighton is a really great, um, uh, like a mini kind of London because it mm -hmm. is like you can easily walk most of the city. You have like kind of a similar amount like per capita of options. And so it's just like, it's really, really great. And it's been voted, I think, one of the most vegan-friendly cities in the world by plant-based news and oh, maybe cool. news as well in previous years. I mean, and there's absolutely, you know, great reason for it. So I'd say this year, Brighton is my absolute favorite. And so awesome. if anybody from Brighton or the Brighton Tourism Board or government is listening, <laughs> you have my number, you can invite <laughs> me over, you can, you know, have me, I can come live there. I just, you know. <laughs> just open to all the possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> my cats would love it. They love watching seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> <Perfect>. yeah. <laughs> um, I did have one more question um, about you have been talking to different tour companies, right? And trying to help them establish more vegan or vegan friendly uh, tours. Can you tell us a little, tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have, um, you know, when I started down this path of launching veggies abroad and trying to pivot my career, I thought I would just do general consulting. And so, you know, with my background and that did work out. Okay. But then as I started to kind of dive deeper into the tourism uh, world, I realized that there are a lot of companies that are not promoting options or don't have options. So they're, you know, not only is it an ethical choice for us, but it is a business, you know, decision for them. And so they're leaving money on the table by not promoting these things to, you know, vegan travelers, but also to the many flexitarian customers out there, veg curious or however you want to label them. So there's these dollars that, you know, these places are missing. So I started working with tourism organizations to kind of promote these options uh, by using the blog and you know, creating itineraries for either my website or content for their website. And then started to kind of uh, reach out to hotels to get them to, you know, start thinking about promoting these options or being included in a travel guide for the specific audience. And then recently I had a really great um, conversation with a tour company about adding plant-based options. Um, and they were already kind of on board with that, but then creating a fully vegan tour. And so I've been chatting with them about doing something for 2023 so if you're listening and interested in a vegan tour, you should sign up for my newsletter because that's where you'll hear about first. And so, you know, I hope to be able to work with more organizations to do that as well. 
because um, I, I just read a survey or a study that came out from Norway about a week or so ago that over the next 10 years, 42% of consumers believe that their meat-based dish will be, or that consumers will be choosing a plant-based dish over a meat-based dish. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, and that's not just at home. Right. You know, people are traveling and, you know, they're on the road. They expect to see these options. And so if, you know, these businesses aren't having them accessible, they're going to be losing out on revenue. And I mean, so many people choose, you know, a vegan option if, you know, they're trying to avoid dairy or, you know, they do consider themselves, you know, kind of uh, a flexitarian or a reducitarian, whatever the term is. And so it's not not just for vegans. Right. Uh, so I'm hoping to be able to work with more businesses to get them to see that and think about those things. That is amazing. I would love to sign up for a vegan tour. I will let you know in the beginning of the new year. Okay. <laughs> to to have like a, a really fun vacation and not have to worry about yeah. any of that. Right. My gosh, right. how freeing. And how yeah, and I mean what a service. Think, <laughs> um, you know, I'm talking to them too. Like, you know, obviously some food will be included and that would be vegan, but then, you know, is there a way we could add a chef's experience and like either a cool chef dinner or like a cooking class or yeah. like something else as well added onto it that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you were just to book something, you know, so or on your own. Oftentimes when I'm creating guides, you know, I do look at different options that like their food tours in almost every city and all different things, cooking classes like in Rome. And, you know, I'll reach out to these companies and be like, you know, can you accommodate a vegan guest? And there are some that are just like flat out no, or just don't respond to me. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, that's, that's really unfortunate. Um, so, you know, hopefully this then by creating something that's entirely vegan, all those people who felt like they were missing out when they were trying to book things, they won't have to miss out now. Exactly. I love it so much. Rebecca, this is awesome what you're doing and what you're building. And yeah, we're really lucky to have you in our corner sharing all the good things about vegan travel. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. So my final question for you, of course, because we're on, did you bring the hummus? Is (laughs) what is your favorite hummus or your favorite way to eat it? Mm, Excellent question. So I'd say my favorite hummus is um, one from Trader Joe's. They have actually there's two that I really like. They have a spicy hummus um, and then also like their regular organic hummus. I really Mm -hmm. like the organic hummus always tastes different than like the regular hummus that they have, like the just the garlic one. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Um, (laughs) So those are my favorite ones. And then my favorite way to eat hummus, I'd say like right out of the tub. I mean, (laughs) mine too. (laughs) Yeah. Trader Joe's also has these little like veggie ball things in the freezer section. And so I always like eat them with hummus. But yeah, like I put hummus on everything, um, tacos, burgers, like mm. hummus equal opportunity coming. It of really is. 
<laughs> before my husband went vegan he was a big mayo guy and yeah. I got him to like embrace the hummus and it yeah. replaced mayo for him before he was even like before he'd even gone vegan oh that's such a good replacement yeah. <laughs> much healthier as well too yeah and so much more Have flavorful you- uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Way more flavorful. Have you ever had anyone say they don't like hummus? Yes. And I like, I almost short circuit because I don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> no way. How do they not like hummus? Right? That's so weird. That's not normal. No. <laughs> like you just haven't had like the right hummus, like, you know, because yeah. how, how do you not like it? It's perfect. Right. It is. Yeah. It's just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Rebecca, this has been amazing. And I know that my listeners will love this. And you've shared so much super helpful information, all of your information, so they can contact you will be in the show notes, they'll be able to click right into your website, and check out all the awesome things that you're doing. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I don't know about you. But after listening to Rebecca, I am ready to hit the road. Did you get a chance to make some notes? Did you capture Rebecca's top tips? Learn a bit of the language if you're traveling to a country where your first language isn't theirs. Number two, pin locations on Google Maps to help you plan your trip and your days. Number three, consider your needs. Would a kitchenette serve you? Do you need a fridge in your room? The answer to that second one is yes. Where else will the leftovers go? Number four, talk with your travel companions ahead of time about your vegan plans for the trip, especially if they aren't all vegan. What do you want out of it? And number five, pack snacks and medicine cabinet type things like ibuprofen. To connect with Rebecca, you can find her on Facebook and Instagram at Veggies Abroad or visit her website, veggiesabroad.com. As always, the links will be in the show notes. I hope you found this episode helpful and inspiring. Please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're loving it, please give Did You Bring the Hummus a five-star rating. It's an easy way to keep supporting the show. You're also invited to join my free private Facebook group for fans of the show. You can find the link to that in the show notes. It's the last few days of January. How did Veganuary go for you? When you reach out with your favorite moment from this episode, let me know. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Did You Bring the Hummus and visit my website, didyoubringthehummus.com for more information about me, updates on what I'm working on, new podcast episodes, and all things vegan. Finally, I would love to hear from you. What do you need help with? Is there a topic you want to hear covered on a future episode? DM me on Instagram or send me an email at didyoubringthehummus at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.